Hello, mamas, and welcome to Bump to Mum, a podcast that has been created by me, Emma Coxhead, after the birth of my son, Louis. I realized that there was so much to learn, and it's hard to know where to start. Comfort came from me to speaking with other mothers and parents, and this is where Bump to Mum was born. Bump to Mum is a platform to share conversations we have with other parents, learn from experts in their field, ask questions, find answers, share experiences, and laugh and cry along the way as we try to navigate the maze of which is motherhood. Hello, I hope you all are having a wonderful week. Um, I have been not posting as many episodes lately. I think I'm just at that point of the year where I'm needing to put my time and energy into other places because it is a busier time of year Um, and I am looking forward to starting to wind down as we get closer to Christmas. Um, I'm really excited to share this week's episode with you. I think it's one I have wanted to do for so so long and it's been one that's been requested because I know so many people will have been on a journey like this. So I spoke to the lovely Jess. Jess is a mum to Casey who is nine months old um, and has her partner Cam and two dogs. Now we, Casey, decided to enter this world 10 weeks early when Jess was 30 weeks pregnant. Um, She had a placental abruption which happened very suddenly and for them very fortunate that there were no, I guess, bad consequences apart from the fact that they had their little Casey here at 30 weeks old which meant a very um, different journey in fourth trimester to what Jess had ever envisioned. Um, She was still at work, she hadn't set up the nursery, like who's expecting their baby that early you know, It's, um, it's not something I think you consider. So Jess shares with us her pregnancy, what happened that night that Casey was born um, and what their journey in Niku was like for them, what sort of milestones they had to hit, what breastfeeding and feeding was like, um, how they spent those first five weeks that he was in Niku, um, you know, trying to spend time with him but give him time to grow um, and then also she takes us through coming home um, and what life has been like for them since getting home and what Casey has been up to. Um, She shares a lot about like the village of support they had around them that which just made the journey so much so positive. Um, The support they had in the hospital, the amazing NICU nurses. Um, So I just think this is such a a special, special motherhood journey to share. So I'm just so grateful for just coming on and sharing that. So definitely get into this episode I think you're gonna love it I thought I wanted you know what I'm, I'm a Christmas crazy girl this is off topic but I wanted to share something I watched the other night that just had me feeling all the Christmas feels I felt I was just sitting there smiling watching it if you're a bit of a Christmas fan or you feel like you need to get in the spirit if you have Apple TV I would suggest watching the Hannah waiting him home for Christmas special on Apple it's about 40 minutes long. It is just Christmas festive spirit. I was on the couch singing Loving Life. So 
Yes, you've got this amazing episode with Jess to listen to. And then if you've got an Apple TV subscription, you've got some Christmas screening to do tonight. So um, that is enough for me. I really hope you enjoy this episode. If you do, I'd love if you could rate and review on Apple Podcasts. Um, And also the voting or nominations for the People's Podcast Award Um, There's a few days left to nominate, so I'm going to put a link in the show notes. And if you could, if you want to, you don't have to, but if you would like to nominate Bump to Mum, I'd be ever so grateful. So enjoy, mamas. Hey, Jess, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. I would love for you to take a moment and introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about yourself and your family. Thanks, Emma. Um, My name's Jess. I live in Auckland with my partner, Cam. Um, we have two Labradors, Willow and Scout, and um, our nine-month-old little boy, Casey. Oh, so cute. And obviously the the reason that we're speaking today, and we're going to hear all about your journey, but your little Casey's actually been around longer. Well, he's he kind of joined the earth earlier than <laughs> you had expected. Um, and I'm really excited for you to share your journey with having um, – him born, I guess, earlier than expected. So why don't you tell us, before we get into all of that, a little bit about where you're at in your motherhood journey at the moment, what's something you're really enjoying, and maybe what's something that's been a little bit more of a challenge? Yeah, so we're we're nine months in with him. We're supposed to only be, yeah, six and a half. Um, and I think probably the challenges at the moment is that he's just absolutely desperate to try and crawl. Um, and he's trying to get there but he's just you know he's not getting that final bit like that tummy off the ground to get going and so he's just frustrated he like you know he wants to get to toys he wants to get to us he wants to follow the dogs and he he's not quite there so we um sort of succumbed and bought him one of those little walkers Mm. (laughs) um and he rips around in that. Um, we try and limit his time in that, but just to give him a bit of time where he can have a bit of independence and do what he needs to do. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's hard, isn't it, when they're kind of like just about getting it, but you can just see the frustration on their face that they're just like the body is just not doing exactly what they want, and it, it's such a frustrating time. Um, it, it's, yeah. And he's been such a cruisy baby, so Aww. like to hear him like getting frustrated and stuff. Cam and I, Cam and I, Cam and I like, oh my god, what do we do? <laughs> you know, how do we help him? We're like, oh my gosh, he's never like made those noises before. So yeah, a bit of a process, but we'll get there, I'm sure. Yeah, and what's something you're really enjoying at the moment? I feel like nine months is such a like is such a fun age. Yeah, it's really cool. Just the personality that's developing. Yeah, he's so, so responsive and he gets excited over seeing people he's familiar with. And um, I think it's probably just like watching him discover things, you know, everything yeah. is so interesting to them. So, yeah, it's been a really cool little part of the journey. Oh, that's so nice. And tell us about obviously your pregnancy with. Casey what that looked like yeah I had a um, really straightforward healthy normal pregnancy um we decided to go with an obstetrician um just because I'm probably someone that likes to be quite fully informed and I know I would have like nagged the person that was looking after us um and we'd heard amazing things about this um 
guy, Nick, in particular. Um, so we went with him. And, yeah, everything was straightforward. But we had little Casey join us quite unexpectedly at 30 weeks or 29. Six. Wow. Yeah. So, um, yeah, just one That's evening nice. I was actually cooking fish for us for dinner. Um, and I started getting a little bit of bleeding. And at that point I wasn't, you know, too freaked out because I've heard it sort of can be normal in different parts of pregnancy. Mm. And, um I spoke to my friend Bree or our mutual friend Bree. Um, yeah. and she was like, I think you should get in touch with Nick and just let him know. So I gave Nick a call and he he wasn't too concerned. He said, call me back if anything changes. But within sort of like 20 minutes, I'd started getting cramping and things. So mm-hmm. that was at about 8.30 in the, in the evening. And we met him up at Auckland Hospital at 9.30. Um, and everything was going, you know, like n- normally he was like, I'd, I'd, I'm not sure what's going on um and he took some bloods and I was on the little band monitoring Casey's heart rate and then all of a sudden his heart rate dropped and it was like all guns blazing people came flying from everywhere and yeah we ended up having him I guess like 25 minutes later um under an emergency cesarean oh my goodness and like I can't even imagine what your brain is doing in that moment because like in no way did you think you'd be going into labor when you thought you know when you saw a bit of bleeding like that's just at 30 weeks that's just not where your head's at right no definitely not and I think in that uh, situation sort of like ignorance was bliss we were just pretty unaware like of and it Mm. didn't even allow the short time frame didn't really allow us to even think of like alternate situations um because before we knew it he was out and they were like yep cool he's breathing he's big he was more like the size of a 33 34 week old um Mm. so yeah before I think we even had time to like panic um he was out and safe I guess Mm. wow I just that's just crazy so when Obviously, you get rushed for your cesarean. What kind of was going through your head at that point of like, oh, my God, I'm about to meet my baby. Because, like, had you set up his room at home or like? No. I don't we hadn't even got to antenatal classes. So yeah. I was just more, I was more concerned with the fact they, like, wheeled me around the corner and I saw the anaesthetist and I was thinking, you are not doing a spinal on me. You look like you're about 20. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and so that was just my main concern, but that whole process just ended up being honestly like absolutely seamless. Like I couldn't speak more highly of our obstetrician or any one of those. I think there was like 15 people in the room, like any one of those people involved in that process, they just made like what could have been a very traumatic situation run very, very smoothly. And I almost like look on back on it a little bit. Fondly in a way because I was absolutely petrified of having a cesarean. I just, I don't know why, I just like dreaded the Mm. idea of like the incision and everything like that. But now looking back, I couldn't, like I would absolutely recommend a cesarean to someone if they were, you know, if if it was something that they were considering. Wow. And so... Casey comes out at 30 weeks. Like, are you still working at the, like you would have 
I yeah. guess still. What, what did you do for work? I'm a, I'm a podiatrist and I own my um, own clinic. So I had just put out on the Friday an ad to hire someone else thinking, you know, we've got plenty of time. Myself and another podiatrist, we've got a bit of time up our sleeves. Um, so it was literally panic stations like the Monday first thing on the Monday morning messaging patients like hey we're just gonna have to reschedule for now and then reassess what this looks like towards the end of the week oh my goodness and so Casey's born you're yeah. Andrew cesarean your baby is here like what happens next like how big was he what sort of like what did those I guess what did your fourth trimester look like with having a baby that early yeah, so he was 1.6, grams. So I think that's, yeah, it's £3.8. Um, and Cam was actually born prem, not that prem, but Cam is a twin. Um, yeah. And so Casey was like a similar size to Cam when he was born. And I remember my obstetrician saying that in the theatre. He said to me, Jess, don't worry, look over there, and pointed to Cam, and Cam's six foot five. It's like, that's what. <laughs> An early baby will turn into it. I'm thinking, oh, God, <laughs> it's going to be huge. Um, yeah, so he, they just whisked him away, really, and that was, I think, quite hard for Cam. He was mm. sort of in the situation where he said to me, you know, I've got you and I'm meant to look after you, and but there's this thing that's ours that's come out of you and they're telling me to go with him. And, you know, he, mm. I felt for him in that moment because he didn't really know what to do. Um but yeah, so they Cam whisked him away and Cam actually wheeled him across to the NICU and he didn't have, he had like oxygen, but he didn't have, you know, in my mind, I thought, oh my God, it's going to be this big emergency thing and he'll have cords attached and wires and they'll be, you know, I just thought it would be way more medical, but because he mm. came out breathing, um, they were sort of a little bit more relaxed and Cam, yeah, wheeled him over to the NICU where he stayed for the next five weeks. Wow. Having had no experience having a baby in NICU, like what does that look like in terms of like the next few days, like and getting feeding established, like could he breastfeed or was that, what did you do yeah. there? So that was completely out of the picture for him just because he was so tiny and mm. it was like questionable whether I would even have any milk come in at that mm. point. Um, so I went into recovery and Cam was down with Casey. My mum rushed up to the hospital and mm. um, one of the nurses, once I got on the ward, she came down with, she was like, look, we're going to try and get some colostrum off you, but don't be too disheartened if you don't get anything. Um, lots of mums, you know, with preterm babies only have their milk come in closer to 40 weeks, which I actually mm -hmm. find quite amazing that your body will still remember like when your baby's meant to come yeah. and produce milk at that time. That is incredible. Yeah. So, um, yeah, she helped me do some of the expressing and I just had so much colostrum. They were shocked. Um, oh, really? So, yeah, so from day one, like feeding and or pumping, which was my like reality sort of for the first five weeks, I mm. pumped like you would, I guess on a schedule, like you would feed a new baby. Um, and mm. then we would, once I was discharged from hospital, we would just take the, the milk up to Casey daily and they would label it all and either like freeze it or give him milk then and 
because he was fed through a um, a tube for the first. So he where did he go? He had a a, a mouth tube for the first four weeks, and mm. then once he was able to start attempting breastfeeding, so which we did when he was sort of yeah thirty four weeks, they moved that tube to be an NG a nasal tube and so that mm-hmm. goes from his nose down to his tummy so that we can try and feed him a little bit more like orally to start that process yeah wow so you're pumping and taking him milk like how like how does it work with like visiting and how much time can you spend there and like you say like is it easy to hold him or is it because he's so tiny like is it safer for him to be in the in, in the, the like little place in it yeah yeah, so we sort of, um, like, Cam reframed the whole thing, like, very early on. He said, we kind of have to just look at this like you're still pregnant and we get to watch him grow, you know? Mm. Um, so, yeah, we held him for the first time on the second day. Um, and initially it was a big process. Like, they would have to – he was in a fully enclosed incubator – he had a lot of wires attached to him. Um, he'd mm. have a CPAP, so the, um, not oxygen, but airflow, just so that his lungs, when he was breathing, wouldn't fully deflate, so he's not having to work as hard to breathe. Um, mm. I'd have to take that off. There were all sorts of things, especially in those first sort of like 10 days. After that point, um, different like bits and pieces for like um, taking bloods and things, those all come out for um, lines for antibiotics, those sorts of things all get removed. And then I think he was about 14 days old when he came off CPAP. Um, So, yeah, it gradually did get easier. But initially, honestly, it was like all these cables we had to sort of or lines that we had to sort of manoeuvre and the nurses would have to help us at that stage. And we sort of had to be, like making sure you'd been to the toilet and you had something to eat and you were ready to sit there and hold him for, you know, an hour because it's a lot to put their little bodies through if mm. it's only going to be a quick 10-minute, you know, sort of thing. Yeah. yeah. Wow. And so with the visits, like how often were you guys going up there every day? Because, like, also you're probably having to sort out work and, you know, what – how did that look and like was it a lot of the time he was looked after by the nurses and then you know you'd kind of come in or yeah Yeah. we sort of um and like I guess like you have to do in that situation what's going to work for you and your little family like Auckland Hospital in particular the NICU still had um COVID restriction rules so you were only allowed to have the parents go in and I like in hindsight I think that was It was hard for our families, but it was a nice time for us. You know, we as a unit, like a little family unit. um, And we would sort of spend our days where we would go up in the morning and spend a few hours or a couple of hours and then come back out for lunch um, and then head back up again in the evenings. And he was still growing, you know. He still was Mm. so delicate and still growing. So he still needed that time to be like resting and in the incubator and, and like the warm, um, the warmth of his incubator. So mm-hmm. that's the way we did it. And it found, I found that it made it exciting to go up and see him and not so much of a chore, 
I get, you know, mm. and, and I don't mean that in an awful way, but I mean that you could sit in a hospital day in and day out and it could become like a really depressing thing that you're going through, you know? Oh, absolutely. And I think how Cam reframed it is like he wasn't, you know, he wasn't ready. Well, like he did yeah. come. He obviously was ready, but like yeah. he had so much more growing to do and like amazing that you guys, got to witness that like watch him yeah. grow in front of you but like yeah he needed to be resting and you know it's it wasn't a case necessarily that the priority was you guys holding him the whole time his priority was actually just you know continuing to grow him and be ready to to come out of Niku definitely yeah so when you look at it like that I think it makes the whole process a little bit easier you know, to deal with and you see these beautiful nurses that they're in NICU for a reason. They're like the best of the best and they, they, um, sorry. They sort of, I just, yeah, I get teary to think about those people because um, they make that process, that hard process of leaving your baby so much easier. Because mm. um, so you know that they are genuinely there because they love their job and they love the little people they're looking after, and so you can walk away knowing your baby's in like, the best possible hands. Yeah, and I was just thinking, and I was like, "You, you sound so your, you know, your outlook on this whole experience is so positive." But it must have been so hard as well at times, like you say, like leaving your baby and going home, and you've given birth, but your baby's not in your home. Like there must have been some really tough moments for you as well. Yeah, I think leave when we first left that. Um, so we had him on the Sunday, and we like let, were discharged on the Thursday, and even then that. That was one of the hard things. Our obstetrician, Nick, he really fought for us to stay, which was so lucky to have him and have his pull that he sort of had in that situation Um, because medically I was fine. You know, I'd recovered really well from the C-section. There was medically no reason for us to stay on the ward. And our, like, gorgeous friends, Bri and Matt, had completely offered up their spare room to us for as long as you know needed and so the hospital knew that we were only staying around the corner so it meant you know we had we had to leave um Mm. but I think I don't know I think if I was looking at you know at the situation I'd be like oh my god how did they do that how did they leave their baby and it's it's when you're in it like you you don't really realize what you're made of until you're in it and how strong you are um, until you go through it. Mm. And so you learn about, a lot about yourself in the process. And I learned a lot about Cam as well. And he just sort of like pushed on for both of us. And there was sad time, you know, we'd hop into bed at night and have a big cuddle and like have a little cry and things. But I don't know, we look at where we are now and we looked at his milestones and the progress that he was making in there. And he made it a lot easier for us as well. Mm. oh that's so nice oh gosh such (laughs) strong people but like you say like what choice did you have like this was your circumstances and you had to 
it's amazing, like you say, like the strength you find within when you're kind of presented in these situations. You're like, right, like we the, we just have to figure out how to make this work and keep pushing, you know? Yeah, and I think you have that so often in life. Like you look at other mm. people's situations or you hear about all the things and you go, oh, God, like I would not cope in that situation. But you, you do. Like mm. you just find... I don't know, you find something somewhere to cope. And I remember one of my patients came in, literally it was about two weeks before I ended up having Casey and she'd had her daughter at 32 weeks last year. And I was like, oh, Mm. God, you're amazing. I like don't know how you did that. And we were talking about that. And little did I know that, you know, in a couple of weeks it was going to be me and even earlier. Yeah. Wow. So – did your OB give any kind of, is there any explanation as to why, yeah. like, Casey came so early and, like, or is it just? Yeah, so, yeah. yeah I had a placental abruption. So that's what the bleeding was. And so it's basically when the um, placenta starts to peel away from the uterus and it happens to, like, 5 to 10% in people, Um and sorry, I actually think the number's even less than that. I think it's like one to two percent of people. It's a five to ten percent chance of it recurring. Um, right. And there's nothing you can do to sort of bring it on. You know, it's just one of those completely mm. freak things. And even our obstetrician Nick was just like racking his brain trying to figure out how it happened because he'd see me the week mm. before and everything was going so well. Um, yeah, so placental abruption and he, it had peeled away. I was looking at my notes earlier. It had peeled away two thirds, um, from the uterus. Yeah. By the time we got in there. And I think that sort of like framed our outlook as well, because it's only at, um, 20% survival rate with that placental eruption. And we had not, Cam and I had no idea until about um two weeks into NICU and one of the nurses said oh like why did he come so early and we were telling her and she was shocked she said he's probably the third baby I've seen in 20 years survive that oh my because I was about to say like I have heard of that and heard I guess kind of even more horrific stories of like that you know for the baby and the mother it's so so dangerous so like is it was it a case that like you, because you noticed so early and got to the hospital so quickly, like that was why in that situation you maybe had a more successful outcome? Yeah. So Nick um, said to us after when I was in recovery and I said, you know, like what's going on? Like what went on sort of thing? Mm-hmm. He said you you would have had about an hour left before the outcomes were very different. And, yeah, like you said, it can have quite detrimental effects to mum as well. Yeah. Oh gosh, what a what a roller coaster. So then how long did you guys spend in Niku and like at what point do they say, Okay, you know, Casey can go home now? Like what's the sort of milestones you need to be hitting? Yeah, so they moved down Cam was just eager from day one, like, okay, what have we gotta do to <laughs> get this kid out of here? Um they sort of moved down gradually. So they moved from the, the ICU part in room one or area one sort of thing, and then they moved to room two and room three, and that's more like the skiboo. Um, mm. And then in the end stages, they move across, they graduate across the corridor 
Um, and that's when they're, you know, completely out of an incubator. They're not on anything to support them. They've just got like a tiny little monitor. Um, it's sort of like similar to the monitor, like if they've ever been to Starship or anything like that. And it just takes their heart rate and their um, blood oxygen saturation. Mm. Um, and then at that point, you have to start the, the, the uh, what feels like a very long task of breastfeeding or trying to breastfeed yeah so how did that guys how did that go for for you and Casey oh honestly it just that was probably the the only time I felt super defeated and frustrated in the whole process Mm. um because it felt like this mountain of a barrier that was stopping us from going home um Mm. And I just remember being like to one of the nurses one day, well, what if I'm just going to bottle feed it? You know, what would we do yeah. then? Because we just wanted to get out of there. And yeah. in hindsight now, I'm glad I stuck at it because I, I enjoyed breastfeeding and I think I enjoyed it so much, like knowing that I was having that connection with him that, you know, we didn't really get in the first sort of like week, I guess. Um, mm. But, yeah, they sort of um, – grade in a way your feeds um so they go from like did they just sniff or were they interested did they latch did they latch suck swallow um and once you're getting a little bit more established or your baby's starting to show a bit more interest they encourage you to sort of move in so there's these rooms at Auckland Hospital where you can room in with your baby um and that's sort of the yeah when you're at the finish line you're very close to to going home so we finally got there after being in there five weeks and sort of I'd say I gave breastfeeding a good attempt over regular visits over a week um Mm. and they said to me look you've just got to move in you've got to come in here and you've got to like you know be here so you can feed them on demand and anything like that and my argument was why would we move in here if he's not even showing signs of being interested? You know what I mean? Mm. Um, and Cam would sit there. Cam is very open and says exactly what's on his mind. And he'd be like, well, look at her nipples. Like, that's not going to fit in his mouth, is it? <laughs> um, so, yeah, we finally agreed to move in. And, like, totally, like, Murphy's Law, I'd, like, fed him in the um, the room room four that he was in, tried to feed him just before we moved in, like, minutes before we moved in. And they were like, mm. look, anyway, we'll take you to your room. And we went into the room and they were like, just try and pop him on again. I popped him on and he got it for the first time. <laughs> oh, my goodness. He was absolutely away after that. Oh, he just, yeah. Isn't that amazing? Like, it's always the way, isn't it? Like, oh, no, oh, we don't want to move in. He's not feeding. And then they would have been looking at you like, see? And you're like, oh, come on. <laughs> yeah. Probably like this mental woman that's been so resistant to moving in, like if you had have just listened. But, yeah, I'm glad we stuck at it. And I am really grateful for the push they did give us because, like I said, it meant I knew, I don't know, I just felt you know, it's this it's this funny thing, breastfeeding. Like you just I don't know, you feel so much pressure to do it. And I remember mm. talking to friends about it before I had Casey and I was like, nah, if I can't do it, you know, I won't be fussed. But you you get there and I think so many people are the same. You get to there and you're like, Oh my God, I 
I just want to do it. It's the best thing for them, you know. It's it's funny, mm. like what we work ourselves up into. It is, it's also really interesting and like I mean I'm not medical so I don't know the other reasoning behind it but like you say like why is there so much emphasis on the hospital like they had to breastfeed to be able to go home if what you know what if your intention was always just to, to bottle feed yeah exactly so they're like putting more pressure on you to breastfeed but it's like what if that was never your intentions like what if you yeah like I don't know it feels a bit funny doesn't it yeah it does it does and um it's everywhere right like I don't know like what it was like when you gave birth but there's just posters of it and I don't know it can be my cousin's wife she was really good she gave their baby formula like mix fed her from the get-go and she was like you just do like what you need to do like take formula and if you need to like you know do that and I think having more people around you that have mix fed or have you know put their babies on formula it just it makes you relax a little bit yeah so then it sounds like from there you have had like a a positive feeding journey are you like did did you continue to breastfeed once you got home or did you actually end up being like let's transition across to formula yeah I did breastfeed and I breastfed exclusively until he was about five or six months old but I honestly Mm -hmm. just really struggled with like I had amazing supply when I was pumping consistently and things and then when he came home and he sort of fed when he wanted to I just found maybe because I'd fed I'd pumped so um consistently and then fed him whenever he liked Mm. my supply sort of went all over the place and it'd be up for a couple of days and then it'd be down and I probably um was a little bit like obsessed about how much I was pumping because I'd pumped for so long. So I'd be like, mm. oh, 150, that was a good pump. Or now I'm up at 200 or I only did 60. And so I think because of our journey, it was just, it just was the way it was. But it left me being a bit like, have I got enough in the freezer? Have I got enough of this? And I really sort of like obsessed over the fact that I wanted to get him through the winter with breast milk because of like antibodies and things like that when an actual fact like if he was going to get sick he was going to get sick you know yeah. yeah it's it's such an I've actually heard that from other mums who have started pumping and have then found it hard to go to I guess ba- like having baby latch and breastfeed straight from the breast because they kind of love the knowing of how much milk they're giving their baby when it's pumping in bottle because you can see like you said like the mills and then yeah. to go to like breastfeeding be like oh I don't know how much they've had and like I guess it's it's just a bit of a different mentality but I've also heard that from other mums being like once because they started pumping they found it hard to shift like yeah 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 and I also had a weird, a very weird, so I had a lactation consultant. I was always more comfortable on my right breast. And mm. I had a lactation consultant in the hospital say to me, oh, don't worry. Um, some mums, you know, only get milk in on one side and only feed off one side. So I just took this as like, I know that people breastfeed off both sides. Like, I don't know like what I was thinking, but 
I just would feed him off the right side and pump off the left because I felt so uncomfortable, like just yeah. awkward feeding him on the left. And my mum would say to me, Jess, like, come on, you've really got to try the left. Like, can we do the left? Cam would be like, are you feeding off the left? My granddad even was like, oh, babe, have you, have you sorted out your left side yet? And I was like, no, not quite. And it just, I don't know, it was just so bizarre. So I'm probably going to end up with like lopsided boobs at one point, <laughs> at some point. But um, yeah, that's what we ended up doing. And it, well, it worked for five or six months. So there you go. But probably oh, the worst advice, well, I probably took the advice the wrong way, you know. <laughs> but I mean, it, like it worked, you know. At yeah. the end of the day, like everyone's journey is so, so different. Um, when you brought Casey home, like, at what what did he weigh at that point? Like how much had he grown and what was that first night like for you guys having him at home with you? Yeah, so he was six, I think six and a half pounds when we brought him home. So he had really he'd honestly yeah. like grown so much in there. He was putting on at one point three hundred grams every two days and they were like, We've gotta pull they put fortifier in to help them, you know, gain weight and they were like, We've got to pull him off that because he's at the point of being like obese for his you know, like and being a little bit obese and then that comes with other challenges, other health related challenges. I was like, Oh God, you can't win. But yeah, the first night um we came home to our good friends Bray and Matt's where we had sort of like hunkered down for the first five weeks and um I don't know it just felt so nice it felt so good being at home with him it felt I was so lucky to have Brie right there so she's got Munro who's um three months older than Casey two months older than Casey and I just felt so supported, you know, because Mm -hmm. I knew that if I had any questions, she's just done it and she's just done it again for the second time. Um, And it just felt good. Like it just felt, yeah, we were finally at home and all together. Oh, that's so nice. And was he still like, from what I've heard from people who have babies, like quite premature babies, is they're very sleepy, like you have to wake them up for all their feeds. Like was that the case? with him or was he starting to like was he quite alert by that point he was quite like in his awake windows he would be quite alert but yeah I Mm. would um often have to like send an alarm overnight and then you know wake him um once I sort of woke him he was okay I didn't have to do like the cold like flannel thing or anything like that um but yeah I'd say he wasn't the sleepiest of babies, but he um, he definitely was very relaxed. <laughs> yeah. Oh, what a little trooper. And then so what has life been like now? Like you've had such a, I guess, coming to grips with like, yeah, like having your baby so early, sorting out work. And then what has the journey been like from there? Like has, what has sleep been like for you guys? What has, like, is he, when you look at him now, is he like a similar size to like, babies in your kind of like mum's group or yeah I'd love to know about what you guys do now yeah so I mean like I think just since we've left left the hospital it just I don't know you kind of forget it's all just like a you know a blur you look back in it now it's like oh my gosh how were you ever in the NICU like you know attached to all these (laughs) cords and he's 10 kgs now at 
like nine months old, so he's a decent size. Oh. He's in the like sixty fifth to like seventieth percentile for length and weight for when he was born. Um, oh so he would have been a big baby if he had yeah. gone, you know, full term. Um, in terms of like sleep and routine, I think. Well, that was like one blessing, I guess, coming out of NICU. He was on a schedule from the get-go. They fed him two hourly when he was a couple of weeks old and then I think it went to like three hourly. And so he was just so used to like being put down to sleep and being fed through the tube three hourly and things. So we just tried to best sort of like keep on um, that routine. Mm. Um and even overnight, like he's only ever woken sort of twice in the night, we did um, sort of sleep train him when they suggested he was ready. So we didn't have to go off his corrected age so much because of where he was at, like weight-wise and and things like that. Um, yeah. So, yeah, we did the sleep training, but I honestly, like I'm just such a different parent to what <laughs> – I thought I was going to be like I would hassle people like oh why don't you just sleep train you know before I'd had him and that cry when it's your own when you're trying to let them like cry it out Mm -hmm. of things there's nothing like it I think it's just it's so much worse when it's your own baby as well and because he wasn't really a baby that cried at all I found that really hard to sort of like put him through um mm. so yeah I we, we sleep trained I wouldn't say that we sleep trained like intensely he sort of got yeah. the hang of it um after sort of like two or three days and he the only issue that I was having with him was that he would only sleep for that two hour what what should be the two hour nap for like an hour and a half um mm. But that really just took time. Like it took like another month or so. And I spoke to a sleep consultant, Amy, from Little Dreamers. And she just said to me, it might just be like his sweet spot, you know, might be that hour and a half. Some babies are just, you know, fine with that. But, yeah, he eventually um, has pushed through and now he does good solid two-hour naps. So that's good for all the jobs you need to get done (laughs) too. Oh, my goodness. Is it ever? I was actually saying – to a friend the other day I was like what do you do when they stop napping in the day like that yeah. is a big day <laughs> yeah all that morning nap gets shorter and shorter and shorter I'm like oh my god there's only so much you can do now in like 20 minutes or it's I tough Louis pretty much doesn't do it anymore like he's mm. 15 months now and like he pretty much doesn't do it like he might every now and then do like five or ten minutes like but it's pretty much not a nap now. So it's just that midday one. And people with kids that don't nap anymore will listen to this and be like, oh, well, you two just wait. And like, I know. <laughs> yeah. You've got like, no I, idea, sweetie. <laughs> I know. But isn't that, so I was just thinking when you said that Casey is 10 kilos now and he's nine months old, my yeah. Louis 15 months and he's only 10 kilos. So it just goes to show like they're all so different. And like even oh, the journey you've had, like, it really has no bearing on what they're going to grow into, you know? like Exactly. And it's like the formula breastfeeding thing. It's like 
one day when they're all at school, we're not going to be able to tell who was like slept train, who had formula, who ate these vegetables, you know? So it's like we put so much stress and pressure on ourselves when you're a mum for a reason and you need to trust what you're doing and you know what to do at the end of the day. Like there's this innate Mm -hmm. thing in us that, you know, you'll do a good job regardless. So true. And something I always remind myself about um, someone, it was actually the podcast I did with Playbase Pepe, Josie. I loved it. And she said, if you looked at a class of five-year-olds, you'd never know who walked, crawled, sat, rolled. You know, you won't, none of that will matter. And you won't yeah. even talk about it ever again, even though it seems like the biggest thing at the time. And it is cool. It's so cool to see them do those things. But first doesn't necessarily mean best but I no. think we get and I, I I'm bad at it because like Louie's always been slow like kind of late to crawl and late to move and I kind of start thinking like oh like should he be doing that by now like everyone else and I start comparing and then I'm just like yeah. you know what are you doing like who cares yeah. yeah and that's been like the thing for us as well like with um there's like a his his real age and then an adjusted age and so he sits it's a big difference you know 10 weeks for a baby is just huge in terms of development and things so for most things he sits closer to when he was born opposed to his due date but you just I think that's been a good thing for me because I've got this big buffer in between so I'm like he's nine months old he could be crawling but he's actually six and a half months as well so you know I haven't got anything concrete to sort of like go off but it's the worst thing to do but I think we all do it you just can't Mm. help yourself I know I'd love to know what I guess I think you have such a positive outlook on like what you've been through and I guess that's also made you not sweat the small stuff as well because like you've already had such a journey in your first you know few months of motherhood but has there been like if you look back on it have could you kind of pick what has been your hardest and most enjoyable season so far yeah um I honestly like hardest like most people would probably think straight off the bat oh it was probably Nuku but I loved that time as well like I like we just I don't know I think we really like grew and like thrived as a family through that so I wouldn't necessarily say that I would just say I don't know probably honestly this stage now with him and he's not even hard but it's just we feel so gutted for him like come on buddy like just move those little legs and you'll you know get going and I think it's he needs so much more of our attention now like he knows when I've left the room he knows if I'm not you know fully engaged so he requires a lot more of us than what he ever did Mm. Um, that's so true probably enjoyable like would be this time for like the personality and then that I don't know I think that three month old sort of like period is so sweet like when you start really getting a response from them and you know it's a genuine response you know it's not like just like a little gassy smile or something like that it's like oh yeah like this is what you know it's going to be like you get a little glimpse into I guess um yeah that responsiveness from them yeah that's so nice and well like if there's someone listening to this podcast who's maybe 
you know, got a premature baby, their baby's in NICU at the moment. Like what would your kind of like having been through that, what would your advice or like what's something you'd want them to know? Um, I'd probably just say like if you're not a routine person, like try and create some sort of like routine where you, you get up and you have a coffee and then you go up there and you visit and then whether you do stay up there or you, you know, leave for the day, just try and keep some sort of like normality in your life because – yeah, like I said earlier, I think that if we were confined to the four walls of a hospital, like Cam and I just would have, you know, gone absolutely crazy. So you've got to, um, yeah, you've got to find some sort of normality in amongst this, like, craziness that's going on. And just, I don't know, surround yourself with really good people um, that are going to be there and look out for you and cook for you and keep you a little bit, I guess, distracted. And it, it will all come to an end. And you know, at some stage it'll be just a little tiny blip on your big long journey. Mm. I think that's so nice and it sounds like your village really did come in and give you guys so much love and support, which is amazing. Like what Bree and and Matt did and I'm sure your family as well, just to like kind of come around and give you guys that support that you needed in those early days. Like it's such an important piece, isn't it? Yeah, it's huge. And you have to as well, I guess, at the same time, protect your boundaries. Like, I don't think I've ever been this sort of like, I guess, like fierce in my life. But I feel like now, like if something doesn't work for us or it doesn't work for our family, I'm not afraid to say and I'm not afraid to mm. speak up. And if if something makes you feel uncomfortable, like with your baby, you need to, you need to like voice that, you know, if someone comes over and they've got a cold, you need to ask them to leave or those sorts of things I'd just probably be quiet about prior to this. I'd be like, oh, well, you know, it'll be all right. Mm -hmm. I don't want to upset anyone. But you have every single right to, yeah, protect your little one and your family. And it makes you feel better, you know, in the long in the long run too. Yeah. I think I, I think that's such amazing advice. And I think as well, like, you realize how much less time you have once you yes. are a mother. Or how much like, time you did have. <laughs> and it makes you really like protective of your time as well. Like you yeah. said, it's what you're saying. Like if it's not going to work for your family or if it's not going to, you know, be a positive or something you want to do, like it's actually like you need to say no because gosh, there's not much time in the week and like you really want to spend it and and doing things you enjoy and if that's just spending it time as at home as a family like that that is so okay I think we put so much pressure on ourselves to like be at everything go do everything can be busy 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 but like I don't think that benefits anyone at the end of the day no exactly yeah I totally agree oh well Jess I have just loved chatting to you um I'm just so glad that you know you've come on and shared your journey because I know it's a the story I've wanted to tell for so long is like the experience of having a baby premature and it just sounds like you've had taken such a positive outlook on it all and I'm sure there were some lows but you've really just yeah look sounds like you Casey and Cam are just absolutely thriving so thank you so much for sharing um and if people want to reach out to you and like chat or have any questions, are you happy for them to reach out? Like in terms of yeah, if they're going definitely. through something similar? Yeah, absolutely. Um, 
happy to lend an ear and give any sort of advice that might be helpful. Oh, thank you so much. Well, thank you again. Enjoy this time with Casey. I know we're both doing this during a lunch nap, so we might have babies waking up soon. So again, just a big thank you. Thanks, Emma. I've loved being on.